0: Hi, I'm Frankie Lyon and you're listening to PR Football.
1: Roll up, roll up. The biggest news of the month has arrived. And that news is that Jose Mourinho is the new manager of Tottenham Hotspur. This is BR Football Ranks. And as always... We're right on the money. My name is Jack Collins, and later on in this episode, we're going to be looking at Euro 2020 contenders after the international break put the first 20 locked-in places into next
2: summer's tournament. Joining me today, Mr. Sam Tai. I think you've done it a disservice there. Big news of the month.
0: Big news of the year, mate. Big news of the year. Definitely the biggest news of the year. Like okay. This is huge.
2: Dean Jones,
1: there. you're very, very excited about this. I, can I love see big news your... stories,
0: mate. Like This is your bread and butter. I was born for this stuff. Okay.
1: <laughs> our ear to the ground, our transfer inside. Uh, let's get into this. You know, no no messing about. Yeah.
0: What on earth happened? This was a shock. Gen- generally. I mean, I had sensed it was coming. I didn't think it was going to happen now. I genuinely thought he definitely had the West Ham game. Um, and if that went well, like probably another month to kind of sort things out. The international break has been turbulent, let's say, um, over at Tottenham's training ground. Um, Pochettino's been there a lot of the time. Didn't take a break. Uh, wanted to try and sort things out if he could. Him and Levy, Daniel Levy. Um, have been meeting the chairman, and there's been big issues basically. Look, uh, Pochettino hinted pretty publicly ahead um, of the Champions League final that he was tempted to, he could be tempted to leave the club. And I think that he kind of regrets now that he didn't do that. Um, he regrets the fact that Daniel Levy persuaded him to sign a new contract. But at the time of doing so, he was kind of led to believe that there was going to be a change of philosophy around the club. Um, Pochettino, someone told me recently, actually, that he'd had a chat with Sir Alex Ferguson a while back. And Ferguson really warned him um, that there was kind of a four-year cycle that you go on with teams. And even if your team is doing well and they've been together for four years, you have to shake things up because it will go stale. Not just the team themselves, not just the players, but you can't motivate those players in the same way that you once could. You can't speak to them in the same way. You can't get as much out of them. And it makes perfect sense. And from what I told, Pochettino kind of had that message ringing in his ear at all times. So he's been there five and a half years by the time he's left. Um, and from the four-year point... He was pushing Daniel Levy, like, we need to freshen up this squad. If we're going to be a big club, I need big signings. We've got to do something here. That never happened. And in the end, look, Tottenham were trying to get Pochettino to quit in the end. He was never going to quit. Because of the new contract he's signed, it's worth a lot of money to him. £12.5 million, basically. Daniel Levy was trying not to pay that money in the end. Of course he was. (laughs) In the end... He knew Pochettino didn't want to be there in the end. Like, let's not be too sympathetic towards Pochettino. He's got what he wanted, I think. I think he's pleased now, relieved, actually, I'd say, to be out of this situation and focusing on his next job of getting the Man United job or the Real Madrid job. I read an article this morning that said he was sad but philosophical, uh, you know, at the end of the road.
2: That's very poch, is, isn't
1: it? Which is, yeah, if it felt right. Something that struck me, I think, is how quickly they've turned around on this Mourinho thing. You know, We saw last year at Fulham that they sacked Jukanovic and brought in Ranieri on the same day. And it feels kind of similar to that. It was almost, you know, Poch went yesterday night, like 10 minutes later, it was already rumours that Mourinho was in the building, you know, and and having negotiations. And this morning he's announced. That is a very, very, very very quick turnaround. There's
0: never a time when a a manager of this calibre is sacked that you haven't already got people lined up because you're not doing your your job if you haven't already got like yes like it's not right that you would you would speak to people while somebody else is in a job. I heard Harry Redknapp actually saying that like he knows for a fact that when he was sacked by Tottenham and had no idea it was coming, he's spoken to people at the time. He said he's spoken to two people who were like, Yeah, I was they asked me about your job. Um, it's just the way of the world. And yeah. Daniel Levy has to do that. He has to know that he can get Mourinho. And someone said to me as well, like the reason they've moved so quickly is because there is a strong chance that Arsenal would have come in for Mourinho if Tottenham didn't right now. Is Mourinho the right man? I don't, I don't know. That's a completely different debate. We'll, which we'll, will we'll get on to that. Yeah, but they had to do something big on the back of losing someone like Pochettino.
2: If Pochettino spent all that time at the training ground this week, it's a wonder he didn't run into Jose, who was preparing his presentation. <laughs> yeah, I don't <laughs> think
0: that's where those meetings take place,
1: funny <laughs> enough. It's a, it's a funny old one, isn't it? How quick things move. It, it doesn't feel, I suppose, what there was time to mourn for Tottenham fans and... And they will have had, you know, they will have had that kind of mixed feelings. And like you say, there's no breakup, it's an emotional breakup. There's no massive reason for us to be overly sympathetic. Okay, like I think it's you know harsh after what he's done, but like you say, it's probably what he wanted. And so that's fine. But for Tottenham fans, many of whom weren't aware this is going on at all. That feels like bang, bang, yeah, it's two weird though, very big swings. A
0: few weeks ago we did a hot take on being Tottenham fans, be careful what you wish for because there was that tide turn well, a month ago now, mm. when people were kind of like it's the end here. Like, he's taken us as far as he can take us. I was like, be careful, like you not know what's coming next. Yeah. Um and I think we kind of at that stage, it does feel a little bit like when you're in a relationship with a girlfriend and it's kind of like, you're like, Oh God, I do like her, but it's not working out. Oh, can I find anything better? Maybe. And then they kind of like, you get the sense that she wants to go anyway. And, <laughs> and that's it. It's gone. And then you're like, Oh, nobody knows how it's gonna actually work out. Um, ultimately, if Pochettino ends up at like real Madrid, you're like, fair enough. Like she's found something better. Um, but if she ends up at like Man United, you're like, that's one of my best pals. That's one of my best mates <laughs> and that's not okay. <laughs> uh, I can
1: imagine. Right, let's move this on to Mourinho, the successor, back in London, back at a top six Premier League club. This is huge, Sam, and you know, there, are, there are pros and cons to this. So I'm going to ask you for a quick ranking on two reasons why he'll succeed and, and two why he'll fail.
2: Yeah, he's really working his way around this Premier League top six, isn't he? I mean, incredible stuff. He's doing just Jose's grand tour of England, I think. Mm. Um, I'm going to start with why he fails. Um, And so the two reasons. The first one is he is a notorious big spender. Daniel Levy is not. And this is undoubtedly a rebuilding job. So Mourinho has tended to splash the cash pretty much everywhere with the exception of Porto, which was like the very early days. He accumulates really talented squads that cost loads of money, and he asks for money all the time from his chairman. Now, Levy, as we know, is pretty tight on these purse strings. So if there's a short-term boost here, fine. But long-term, you have to imagine that these two personalities head for some kind of collision course. Yes, Because there's every chance that Mourinho walks in, assesses his squad, and says, right, I want a new centre-back. Two new fullbacks, new centre mid, backup striker, and maybe even a new goalkeeper. Do you think all that's coming in the next year? Absolutely not. Mourinho is a guy who takes over a team who need one or two pieces and finishes them off. He's not a rebuild guy, or he's not anymore, or hasn't been. So this feels like it has the potential to be quite explosive. Yeah. And there's absolutely no doubt that Mourinho, since Real Madrid, has left forest fires everywhere he's been. Agreed, yeah. And he this might just happen again. So the personality clash between manager and chairman here is worth watching because that's a crucial relationship in the running of a club. And this one doesn't feel like it works
0: on paper. But don't forget, like um it was a while back now, but Tottenham did try and get Mourinho before, I think it was two thousand seven, he left Chelsea. Mm. Levy wanted him then. So he's he has like a long term admirer. Yeah, say. he's kind of always been like, okay, like he's I could do, I I could work with, I could find a way to work with that guy because he gets such big results. Like, Tottenham have now got a Champions League winner. They've got a Premier League winner. They've got that person that can really win things. Like, even at United, like, he did win things. Yeah, he won trophies, And Tottenham yeah. need a trophy. So, like, you've got a trophy guy there now, finally, like... If if it's kind of like what United did, if Jose can't do it, then no one can. Yeah, <laughs> they just yeah. got there quicker than United did. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a
2: potential compromise on strategy from yeah. Levy's. if this is the man that he's decided to compromise his 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 M O on, fair enough, because he is a serial winner. It just strikes me as odd that he wouldn't compromise that M O with Pochettino. Yeah, yeah. But, exactly. Yeah, Poch wanted money and didn't get it. So why would Mourinho get yeah, it? Yeah, that's that's the concern. The second reason he may fail is that he is not Pochettino. Like. Jack, you referenced the fact that there was no almost no time to mourn. Yeah, there were there was rumblings of this in the afternoon on Tuesday, and I saw some Tottenham fans start to talk about how bad a decision this would be, and I saw the reaction on social media last night in the sort of three hours we had between appointment um, and firing, where people were posting pictures of Pochettino post ajax videos of Pochettino crying, fist pumping, you know, videos from the away ends at Champions League games that. Um, at Man City and at Ajax and this was all before the appointment was made I also saw quite a lot of anti-Mourinho sentiment before the appointment was made and then bang it was done so the view from Tottenham fans is Mourinho is tactically more negative than Pochettino and on a personal level far more grouchy now they love Pochettino for his faults over the last year they absolutely adore him because he's a good manager good at his job and he's a good guy he's quite charming Mourinho at his worst is far from charming so this at his is best.
0: He is though. At his best, he's extremely charming. We, not just that have, same person we just have. We just haven't. We haven't he's seen that not guy not that from, from
2: 2004 There's to been 2007 of it on Sky
0: Sports, where he's been working as a pundit. But even then, over the weeks of drawn by, it's become more and more miserable. I, I yeah. don't know
1: the the kind of feeling I get from Mourinho is that he's kind of a little bit stepped back, taken some time to you know to breathe, and and there wasn't really that before any of his previous jobs. You know, he sort of careered yeah. from job to job, yeah. kind of leave, like you say, leaving forest fires everywhere he went. But it feels like he's had like a breather, a step back and maybe like a little bit of time to reassess what brought him to that level. He's probably got a better perspective on things I think that's probably fair. And and that's something that, you know, I hope to see because Mourinho at his best is a brilliant addition to the Premier League. I remember him coming back to Chelsea and being like, you know, I I don't want Chelsea to succeed. But equally, like I, you know, I'm happy that Mourinho is back for the the charisma that he brings at his best and, and for the kind of... You know, the drama he brings. At the end of the day, he brings drama. And the, t-
2: the team he built at Chelsea for that first year with Fabregas feeding Costa, that was amazing. Yeah. Like, that's the football that we don't necessarily remember or associate with Mourinho. You lead me on to my, my next well, point, which is gonna we're going to start talking about why he can succeed But now. just
1: on the point about it being potch and him not being Potch. Well, I mean, he's a serial trophy winner. Yeah. And and, and all of these years, are often and aside from all the points you're making about them, loving the style of football, and all, Spurs fans have constantly harped on about trophies, trophies and trophies. You look at Mourinho's record. Like, if they want trophies, mm-hmm. they're going to have to expense themselves at some point, you know, Unless they were going to pour the money into Poch's project, which I'm sure loads of people would have wanted. But at the end of the day, they now have someone that comes in and wins trophies. They've also got to make
0: top four because the new stadium, Like that's the other thing. Like They are 14th in the league. And yeah. their record over 11, 11, like, the course off, of 2019... They've got They've, 25 points from 24 games? Yeah, something, something like ridiculous. Like they haven't they won the like, away
2: game in like since January or something like that. They're yeah. 11 points off top four right now, and yeah, it yeah. looks like a tall order. You're right, and it comes back to what Dean was saying about five minutes ago, which is like, if, if Mourinho can't do it, then who the hell can? So, but we'll go on to the reasons he, he can succeed. And the first one is, literally any new face could rejuvenate this squad, because it's, it's, it's almost easy to lose sight of the fact that you're dealing with like Christian Eriksson Delhi Alley, Harry Kane, like players that almost every team in the world would absolutely love to count among theirs. Pochettino hasn't been working them right, and there have been some contractual problems here with the likes of Eriksen and Alderweireld and Vertonghen. Maybe seeing out their last year, their future is in question. He been gone, didn't he? Yeah, that's part of the staleness. The staleness it becomes poor management of the squad. Now that some of that's on Poch, some of that's on Levy, whatever it is. But maybe this is a way to make these last stages of Ericsson, Aldo Virold, Vertonghen more meaningful. Maybe they perk up. And maybe ultimately that's the quickest and cheapest way to actually begin extracting the best level out of this team. Rather than revamping the entire playing squad, you just change the manager. Now, I don't know if that's Levy's attempt to avoid the total rebuild that i'm absolutely sure pochettino has been asking for for 18 months well you're not going to get a total rebuild for 12 million are you 12 and a half million you just (laughs) would not even buy you a player exactly this is much much cheaper and like it could work because we have to remember here again something that was really worth hammering home a fresh and clear thinking jose Mourinho is one of the best tacticians on the planet Mm. it's really easy to lose sight of that with everything that's happened over the years with his personality and persona change but at pure tactical thinkers,
0: there are very few better.
2: Very you know few United fans better.
0: have discovered that in hindsight. Like, yeah, of like, course. Okay, like, yeah, we love the emotion of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and having a hero in charge. But we are worse than Mourinho. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, absolutely. And then the, the second point on why this can work is that I think any manager coming into this scenario needs to set about... Re-establishing an identity to Spurs, and that basically the central point to that has to be that Harry Kane needs to be restored as the central point of the team. And we talk about this quite a lot. Managers backing themselves into corners with poor tactical decisions when they're under pressure. Can't see the wood for the trees. Yeah, when they're under pressure. And Mourinho did that in his last job, and he's now replacing a man who has been doing the same thing all season. Like. As great as Pochettino has been over five, five odd years, and as great as the football has been at times, it has been a while since Spurs have genuinely been worth watching. I think, I think they are so boring. And I think stylistically, they're so confused and incoherent and have been
0: for the whole of this season, basically the whole of 2019. Do you remember how critical Mourinho was of Harry Kane in the Champions League final? I, mean, I know that um, he, didn't just come he wasn't back fully from, fit for that yeah. game, obviously, but Mourinho really made a point of picking up like how Kane just didn't fit into that game. How he wasn't dropping off, playing mm. between the lines, turning back, linking up play. Honestly, Mourinho is going to love working with Harry Kane, as well. Yes, he?
2: absolutely. Um, I think the international break actually gave us a little bit of perspective on Harry Kane. Um, because if you actually service him, and if you put crosses into the box, and if you play into his feet within 25 yards of goal, amazing things can happen. Yes, England played two minnows, but Kane will do this against any team in the world. Mm-hmm. We have enough evidence to say that that can happen. So, get Kane backfiring again, and get him more involved into into this game plan by using genuine width, using actual wing play, using direct attacking tactics. All of these things that Mourinho has always done. He's always worked with a reference striker like Zlatan, Lukaku, Costa,
0: Drogba, Benzema and back at Porto, Derlay. Always likes this kind of player. Do you know what? We're going to Tottenham Olympiakos, aren't we, on Tuesday? And... It didn't seem the very exciting fixture yesterday, and suddenly I'm like, <laughs> whoa, does. we're going to Mourinho's first home game as Tottenham manager. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I, th- I think he's going to love working
2: with Kane. I think he's going, to, he's going to simplify the attack to the point where he can get the best out of him. And let's be honest, if you get Kane firing, you're probably going to be OK. This doesn't just loop back to Kane, though. I think there are quite a few players here that will he will really enjoy using. I think he's going to love Deli Alli. I think he's going to love Eric Dyer because he's been trying to buy him for five years. So I think... Yeah, but you, he's going to sign Fellaini in January. You so. look at the Tottenham team and you think, OK, there's actually quite a lot of players or maybe you should say very few players here who won't get on with Mourinho. And that's that's not a bad start.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, look, I'm going to, we're going to wrap this up because you know we need to move on to, to other things. But I want to end with an anecdote. And the anecdote is this. I got a text this morning from my friend Mikey. And he says... I think Mourinho will do well for a season, maybe win the FA Cup and come a close fifth. He'll form an irreversible bond with some bang average centre-back, maybe Eric Dyer. Then one and a half to two seasons in, he'll call Harry Kane fat and alienate the entire fan base. It will all end with him frenetically celebrating a last-minute equaliser off Musa Sissoko's arse against West Brom on a Wednesday night in mid-January, holding his ear up to the booze from the home fans, saying, I'm the special one in the sassiest way possible. He'll then call the result his greatest achievement in the post-match press conference and make some strange reference to a general conspiracy against him before
0: being sacked. your mate so, you this morning <laughs> what time about 6am he's a he's a doctor he has to get up for these things i, I love that really. he's a doctor and that was the first thing on his mind i meeting. really really enjoyed it it really did make me laugh yeah. so um that conf-
2: that conforms to
0: every stereotype
2: we have of of Mourinho now and it it's honestly on him to buck those stereotypes because he needs to do it we think that with a year out of the game with a fresh face we think he can we think he, we think he might be able to and he has to to make this work Short-term bump, inevitable. Long-term, he's got so much to prove. Yeah, absolutely. And this is a huge chance for him to create something special. Right, before we
1: go, Dean, fourth? Did Tottenham get top four or not? Yeah. Sam? No. Yeah, excellent. Thank you very <laughs> much. That's exactly the kind of debate. They're 11 oh, points what? off. I'm yeah. sorry, no. Interesting. Right, well, thank you very much. We will be back after the break to talk Euro 2020 contenders and the best international teams in the world right now. See you soon. Welcome back to BR Football Ranks, where it is time to get international. And today we're talking Euro 2020 and its contenders because there are plenty. I've asked these boys to narrow down the teams to five. But it's harder than it seems. A quickfire verse then to illustrate why. Let's start off with Belgium first to qualify. One of the scariest squads in the international sphere. Is it finally their time? Is it finally their year? Mancini started something in the Azzurri Blue. 10 wins from 10 and the most goals too. Sensi, Barella, this midfield's a fine one. Finished off by battering Armenia, 9-1. Over in Holland, they're starting to get things right. And Orange always told us that the future was bright. Van Dijk, Memphis, FTJ. And I tell you what, what? These boys, they can play. Over to England, who are also starting to aspire with their own young guns almost ready to fire with Raza and Kane leading the line. Have the three lines arrived finally on time? And what of France? and Bap, Pog and Kante in the middle, Varane at the back. The world champions looking to conquer again. And when this squad, who's bet against them? And then there's Spain and the midfield core that baffles with depth, can dictate, can score. La Furia Roja looking to make it three out of four and keep the European title in Iberia once more. And talking of Iberia, the holders are back in town. And you'd imagine CR7 is loath to lose his crown. And the little matter of Germany, you can't write them out. Turkey, Poland, Croatia have their own things to shout. Ukraine and Russia on a fantastic little drive. Good luck, lads, narrowing that down to five. We're back, ladies and gentlemen. We're back you're in the You're back, rhymes. you're back. Sam, I'm throwing to you. You can uh, tee this up and, and let's okay. get going.
2: Yeah, so way too early look at the top five contenders for the Euro 2020 crown. We're going to be talking quite casually about these guys because there's a long way to go. We're, we're yeah. six, eight months out. Um, and just an aside quickly, how stupid is it that we're getting the draw on November the 30th with, with four the I- teams to pick. Four teams whose identities are not yet known and will not be known until March.
1: We will talk about this, four, the this weird draw in the four, team le- four teams left uh, a little bit later on. So, yeah, as an Ireland fan who won't. will be
2: involved in that, were you just a bit like, what the hell
1: is going on? Yeah, it doesn't really make any sense. And the other thing is that, like, how do they do it so that, because, you know, like, England are qualified and now they will get their group games in Wembley? You'd imagine that if Ireland qualify, you'd want a couple of their group games at least to be at the Aviva, which is hosting group games. Yeah. So how do you manipulate sort that it out whilst them being in a playoff? Good news, not our problem. Yeah. It's, not gonna be
2: <laughs> a, it's probably not going to be an issue because we're going to lose to Bosnia. Yeah. But, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. here we go. All oh, right. right. Anyway, go. into the contenders and at number five. I'm jumping on the Italy hype. Train. Yeah, yeah. So I've got a short spiel here, and then it's in my notes. Throw it to Jack. Uh, <laughs> so I'm just going to do my bit. Um, I love the, I love the the the, the reanimation of Italy uh, after failing to to qualify for the World Cup. Roberto Mancini has done obviously an excellent job. Grande Mancini. Uh, they've uh, played ten, one ten, goal difference of plus thirty three in the group, and they just smacked Armenia nine one. Uh, how much can you read from that given it is a weak group and a lot of the big teams and big nations here they've just waltzed through their groups because the groups are easy usually not a lot but Italy didn't even get through a group to get to the World Cup so this is a genuine marker of progress I love the depth in the midfield and the attack Uh, I think you can you can do two different midfield threes that are just so nice to watch and the idea of watching Sensi Chiesa Barella all together at once. And Zaniolo obviously storming forward um, at, the, at the weekend or th- this week anyway for against Armenia. He looks so good as well. They've got so many players that are well worth watching for different reasons. Um, but yeah, Jack, off you go. Well, that's what I was going to say. I think that midfield core is up there.
1: Maybe Spain aside, the best in the world yeah. uh, with, with, with options. And, yep. and like you say, Jorginho, Veratti, Castrovilli, Sensi, Barella, Zaniolo, Pellegrini. Yep. Like It's just unbelievable amounts of depth and then you go to the front the front line and you look at you know your Bernadeschi who's not particularly had a, a particularly good season for no, but I like for
2: I also I like the idea of a team having two Federico's one on each wing yeah no I mean that is <coughs> not that, that should sport. be how squads are built but seriously can we build squads like yeah that? but also you know
1: a mobile who's never really turned up internationally no. uh, and he's probably due. at yeah. Time's turn up. Bellotti still, still there. Balotelli will, so, I imagine, will start to stake a claim soon. Sandro Tonali hasn't has featured sort of very rarely, but mm. is talked about in such glowing terms. Uh, and you know, there's so much pressure on him to be the new Perlo, which is, which is a lot of pressure on anyone. But. You know, the, he seems to be, he does have the hair and the he hair. has the vision yeah. and he's really good at football. So, that, so that's really nice. <laughs> There's just a lot to like, there is I a think, lot about, to this, like, yeah. about this about team. And, and, and quite a lot of it is very young, mm. um, especially that midfield. But, but also, you know, I, I think where this is won or lost is that Italy are no longer the Italy that your father and your grandfather used to know, the hard hitting, grind out 1 well. 0, Catanaccio, Helenio Herrera style Italy's that you know that it was built on for so many years and they were still that under conte yeah
2: as recently as 2014 they were that team but the question now is how good is this defense yeah well we're going to find out italy are extremely hard to project um and obviously with uh like moving like having you can take the group stage you can take the goals you can take the excitement you just don't really know how it stacks up but we're, we're going out on the limb basically i can see you agree with me yeah we think it's going to be okay be great if Chiellini can return in some sort of form ahead of the finals, um, but they seem to be doing all right without him. So yeah, we... I just
1: think there's a lot to be optimistic about. Yeah. If you were
2: an Italy fan, yeah, yeah,
1: there's there's so much to be excited and and look, they've become so used to playing stodgy football that actually wasn't that pleasant to watch, and though it did get results, you know, I think you've seen in the last couple of weeks even just. Italy fans being so happy about the style they're playing, mm. the ability to score goals, the kind of breaks they're getting out in that midfield. And, and it's quite like refreshing and nice to watch them kind of explode into this flair attacking outfit, yeah. which is, you know, Jorginho came out and said, there's a bit about Brazil in
2: this Italy. yeah, yeah. And well, I thought he, that he, was he, a... He, he would, would know. know. <laughs> he would, yeah. And the kits are great as well. They've just got... It's, you know what? I'm moving them to number one. <laughs> yeah, They're going to win everything. Forget the rest of it. Yeah. Right. Uh, but into four, um, the Dutch Netherlands... The Dutch Netherlands—that's a different country. The Netherlands, uh, definitely one of my favourite international teams mm. to, wa- to watch right now. And I was what kind of what? See their last game. Yeah, so they're, boring. they're so much fun. Generally
0: speaking, They're Northern Ireland—it was go- bad
1: against Northern Ireland, but
0: they were so. Boring. You you love watching the Dutch? I did generally. until recently, actually. You've turned on them. They just haven't like. There's just been not a lot about them. It's They've like not got- the flair's kind of gone. I-, I think this is a blip. No. And how- what? I oh, oh like, sorry, I thought you were talking about my list. I was like, no! No, 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 I no. I don't think they're as entertaining as they could be, but they, they've got the job done, whatever. They needed to get there, didn't they? Um, they did, yeah. Another
1: one who have struggled yeah. in recent years and therefore are coming out of that.
0: Yeah, I mean, echoes of
2: Italy, really, isn't it? Yeah. They, they, they messed up ahead of the World Cup and they've revamped really, really quickly. And looking through the core of that team with Van Dijk and De Ligt, De Jong and De Roon and Memphis... Again, lots of different players that are really good to watch for different reasons. Um, Martin Deroon is the one that people won't know there. Martin Deroon is the best footballer on social media. Absolutely, 100%. Uh, he plays for Atalanta. He's Had a brief come, stint in Middlesbrough a couple of years back. He <laughs> got yeah. relegated with Middlesbrough, yeah. which was just super weird. But he is genuinely a Champions League level footballer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then there's also so many questions with regard to the, the Dutch and, and, and the accompanying pieces around that core and who comes through. Like, you see Daniel Marlin coming through. You've got Mohammed Ih- Ihataran at PSV this season. Like, can he make a break for it? The fullbacks, the questions are there. There's a lot to be decided, but with that core in place, I'm pretty confident that they are going to be a very, very good team. Yeah, and so I've, I've got them in fourth. I think I, that attacking that attacking lineup, and you know, Ryan Babel is a is an older
1: statesman of this team now, but mm-hmm. the fact that he's back in there. But then you look at Quincy Promise, who's been wonderful for Ajax. Bergvine. Bergvijn, I you know, really Memphis. like Bergvijn. Like you say, there's players coming through as well. I think they have so much potential to, to to fully explode into that that side. And what I think might be really interesting is if they pivot to a four two three one, because it would get another attacking player into that lineup, which seems almost impossible at this point. But it might yeah. end up being. Memphis behind a Doniel Marlin or someone like that, and,
2: and then suddenly you're it, into realms of it takes it takes one of those one of that supporting cast that are all vying for a spot. It takes one of them to absolutely seize that opportunity, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Because at the moment it's it's Aldum supporting Memphis. Yeah, and, he's and been that brilliant. works fine. Yeah, he's been That works really that well. really well. So it's gonna it will take some shift, but I'm intrigued to see how it plays out. And the Dutch the Dutch are back. The Italians are back. It's all good. I think it's just, it's good for European football. Like it's all fun. Powerhouses
1: back, sure, back. Yeah. and. You know, I mean, Dean, these are names that the names, are the absolute zeniths of, of European football, the, the behemoths.
0: In yeah, totally. And I mean, they've obviously got a good batch coming through, which you just want to embrace, like especially the Dutch there, you know, De Jong and De Ligt, Like, you want them to be part of a successful team because you want to see them at their best and not limited. I do worry sometimes when, like, Koeman's obviously a good manager, but, like, sometimes I just find him quite annoying because <laughs> um, I... I just feel like he, well, personally, he just doesn't let the shackles off at times yeah, when it, no, it's right. just not necessary. It's not mm. necessary to play the way they did against Northern Ireland because they could have gone out and won that game. And they should have lost it 1 0 because Northern Ireland missed a penalty. It was one of the worst penalties you'll see from Stephen yeah. Davis. Um, but, you know, they celeb- the way they celebrated at the end of that game was quite interesting. Like, Van Dyke, like, particularly, like went up to the Dutch fans and was like, really giving it some. Like, it means so much. And when you've got. Um, a defensive partnership like theirs at the back, you know, Celestin in goal, and then in front of him, you got Van Dyke and Delict. Like, not going to be too many countries that have got that trio, like standing up at the back, and then the kind of uh, attacking forces at the other end as well. Like, I'd say that's defensively, they're stronger than England in that sense. Um, I mean, quite. Who a few, isn't? Quite a few teams are stronger than England. <laughs> well, absolutely, yeah. But like, I, I don't know yet. Obviously, if England are in Sam's list, but like I'd say, that's one of the reasons you wouldn't put them in because you would be worried about them defensively. But yeah, I, you know, Holland being back in the mix is definitely a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Into three, the neighbours, Belgium. Yeah. There's a
1: lovely um, there's a lovely debate going on at the moment on on social media about who would make it into a joint Belgium Netherlands team. Ah uh, yes, um, and someone lost the plot this morning. I think it might have been Gianni um, about the fact that they'd put Sillison in ahead of Courtois
2: in this joint Belgium Netherlands team. Gianni, for reference, our breaking news writer. Uh, he's a Belgian. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> I, I am aware of that. But I just found it really interesting. They're like this blowing up. Someone did a joint team and the whole thing is just absolute chaos. Well, it's absolutely stacked with quality. That's yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, once again, Belgium, extremely strong side on paper. As they FIFA ha- ranked number one I- team in the world. Yep. so there you go. Um, and they have, they've been extremely strong on paper for like 10 years now. Um, yeah. And then over the course of you know, the World Cup in 2018, they actually did something. They, they did something, something high. because up until that point, they had flat out just fallen under the pressure. Yeah. And this is their golden generation, or this is what is called their golden generation. So it's it's excellent to see this. One of the most pleasing things about international football right now is watching Torgan play with his brother, Eden Hazard. Yeah, it's really nice. It's so nice to watch. And I, I wish Belgium all the success in the world as on the back of it. The Lukaku brothers as well, both playing. Yeah, really it's so good. It's so, oh, so fun. good. Um, but... I think a fit De Bruyne and Hazard basically give you the chance to win any game in the world, mm-hmm. which makes Belgium a serious contender. I think... First team to qualify. Sure, first team to qualify. Finished third at the World Cup, and obviously they went out to France. That was a, such an even game. Like, that was two excellent sides. That's that how close the margin was. So if you're talking about France as a potential contender for the Euros, you have to, you have to lump Belgium. All they've done since that is improve really? at left wing-back. Yeah. Because now they don't have to play Yannick Carrasco there. That's all they have done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they are still such a force, and they could easily win this tournament.
1: Uh, yeah, I think I'm. I'm surprised you actually have them this low. I, I imagine they're third. Yeah, I imagine that the second and first spots are going to be teams that also have this kind of depth and calibre. So I'm, I'm not going to knock it too much. Mm. Um, but for me, Belgium are right up there as yeah. as favourites. And and I, it's like you say, if you keep Hazard and De Bruyne a fit. And, you know, Lukaku will score goals. Yeah. You know, say what you yeah. want about Romelu Lukaku. plays so well for Belgium. Yeah, I think they have so many options right across the field. You know, the the, the question, I suppose, that remains is whether the defensive partnership is going to be a little bit too old. Yeah. Um, and yeah. uh, if they've passed their peak, especially if we don't see much of them for Spurs this year. Yes. You know, if we don't see too much of Vertonghen and Aldevera this year, and we haven't seen yeah. all that much... You know, is that going to be a problem when it comes to tournament time, and they're not, you know, playing every week? I mean, that could all turn around; they could play every week in the second half of the season
2: together. But at the moment, well, as we judge, yeah, it's 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 basically the only concern, isn't it? Yeah. well um, this has always been the concern. For, but well, all, for about eight years, it was they don't have any fullbacks. They fixed that by playing wingers at wingback, uh, more or less. And we've seen a little bit of Castagna on the right hand side as well, instead of perhaps Munier. Um, we've seen some Vermalen again. That's can't, that can't be happening. Bit rogue, isn't it? It's can't, it's still, that can't still be happening. Uh, but it does. They, they do have some question marks back there. And maybe that's where they fall down. Maybe
0: that's why they ended up third as I started weighing up these squads. So many game changers, though, for Belgium. Like even in their last game against Russia... You know, for, some, for a lot of that game, there's pretty normal performance and they just turn it on in like an instant and like Torgan Hazard yeah. comes to life, suddenly like cuts, cuts, cuts inside like three times quickly and just slams one into the top corner. Yeah. Then Eden Hazard smashes one in from the edge of the box. Then there's the third goal. Uh, I can't remember who scored it. Threes just slams it through to to De Bruyne. It's the
2: unbelievable pass, yeah. yeah like, and then De Bruyne the- nutmegs Mario Fernandez with a square ball and it gets tapped
0: home and it was just like... Oh, take me. It's (laughs) just unbelievable. Like when they can just turn it on like that and you'll just see 10 seconds of football that just blows anyone away. Like that's what they've got that not many other teams have. That kind of
1: ignition spark. Totally. Absolutely. Who's in
2: it too, Sam? A significantly more boring team than Belgium. Um, It's Portugal. It's Portugal. Yeah. That's very high. So I'm gonna leave I'm gonna lead this one off with uh with a tweet from somebody else, which is very rare, but it was very good and it sums it up okay, perfectly so what was your point? It was uh yeah, it was it was Tiago Esteval, who is Portuguese, he's a data analyst, and he tweeted, The Portuguese national team is the real life version of when you used to build wild teams on career mode and then simulate every game. Exactly what this is. The genuine details and the minutiae of a Portugal performance don't really matter. By and large, you could just skip the 90 minutes and check the result, and they've probably won the game. <laughs> they're not good to watch. They don't always look like they have that much of a plan. In fact, sometimes they look downright incoherent. Yeah. But do. they win games. Obviously, they're the, ho- they're the holders. They're the reigning champions. With Ronaldo in this kind of mood, honestly, I wouldn't play him for Portugal again until the first group game. Just leave him on 99 just don't let him get the hundredth until he has to in the tournament. In his face, left out for the Sorry, next games. Sorry, Chris, you can't play until June, uh, and he gets his hundredth. We in- did play in the Nations League, so it's not until the final. So it doesn't it doesn't really matter, does it? You need him hungry for his one 100- hundred. You've seen the tear he's been on, even when he's been injured recently. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We need him hungry for his one hundredth goal when it absolutely matters in the competitive element, he will get them off on the right foot. Yep. Bernardo Silva, obviously, still dancing around, little genius. I got so He's bored. so good. I got so bored of watching England uh, destroy their opposition at the weekend that I switched over for the second half. England were 5-0 up at halftime, I think, against Montenegro. Uh, I switched over to, to Portugal and watched Ricardo Pereira run riot down the right-hand side. It was very good. It was a really good performance. It was a re- they, they won 6-0, so I watched two absolute maulings. Um, and I appreciate this is this might be a little bit contentious, just because it's 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 much harder to have faith with in Portugal on paper. But then they just they just usually just get it done. I just don't I can't explain what actually happens on the pitch. It just happens. I'm really concerned about their centre back partnership. I've been concerned about it for for 8 years yeah. and it's still going. It is still going, but that's the point. Like well, <laughs> what's Ruben, going on? I don't there? I'm not the biggest fan of Ruben Dias no, me neither. at all, but he plays and then Pep or Font end up in and they seem to it seems okay. Yeah. Font's yeah. playing Champions League level football this year with Lil like Yeah, no, it's it's, 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 it's just, just a not, funny one.
1: He's 36 though. It is mad. It you know, is mad. He's 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 got he's got on a bit. Yeah, he wasn't ever that good to begin with. <laughs> like, you know, very good footballer without being exceptional at any point, and yet he has been part of this team. I'd be interested with Portugal to see if the likes of Florentino Luiz gets into that side at that point. It. You know, where does he fit? Does Does William play when he's back fit? Yeah, do they I, go with that double d- pivot of William
2: and Danilo. Because he likes that's a big pivot. He likes William a lot, doesn't he? he really likes him. And and William plays really well for Portugal. Yeah, he is often their their first or second best player. Whenever I see them, anyway, I'm always really impressed with him. You're right; it is a little bit stodgy, which is why you know I make the point they're not great to watch. Yeah, but they do win a, lot. Do win a lot. I appreciate they haven't won their group.
0: Yeah, no, um, I mean I, I'm
1: interested. Think but they don't
0: second game. place is high. Yeah, it's very high. Very high. This
1: was not what I was expecting you to yeah. do. I
0: thought you might put it in at five. To be honest. Second My
1: point here is that you putting Portugal in at two means that you've left either Spain or France out. And we're about to
2: find yeah, out you can who. reveal all now. Okay, well, I decided not to get too cute with it. And I put the reigning world champions at number one. Mm-hmm. Call, me, call me bold, call me brave. Brave. Um, yeah. I call you correct.
1: I, <laughs> I, think, the, I think France are, are, are very much top seeds. Of course, yeah.
2: I, the reigning world champs, core of a team from the world cup that are either going to be playing, you'd imagine at a similar or even better level in Mbappe's case. Don't overthink it is what I thought. Uh, They're not absent of issues. I was tallying up the injury problems they've had this year. And again, this does, this does require some faith that by eight in eight months time, it will be okay. But Pogba, Kante, Lucas Hernandez, and Titi, Laporte and Lloris have all spent pretty big chunks of this year injured. Yeah. And they do need... In, in Lloris' th- case, that might actually be a positive for France. <laughs> <laughs> he's their captain. He's melon of the year. He's, ca- <laughs> he's captain of France. And Giroud doesn't play at club level. Yeah, no, he doesn't. So th- these are concerns, but... Didier Deschamps worked it out on the fly at the World Cup, and I would basically say that he can probably do it again. If you're a little bit concerned with France's performances ahead of a tournament, I was too at the World Cup. I remember Dean picking France to win the World Cup, and I thought he was nuts, because what I'd actually seen from them was rubbish. But Dean correctly identified that good players
0: find a way. They find solutions on the big stage. Well done, Dean. And France Um, is still like that, though, aren't they? Like, even you watch them now, like, the last game wasn't very I mean the last two games they are missing Pogba. They are missing a fair yeah, few are, players. They are but they missing they missing a few but they've still got an unbelievable squad and yeah the depth is outrageous with France. A lot of the time it's not particularly pretty. but They do find ways to win. I think they've only suffered one defeat this year. They lost to Turkey, didn't they? They yeah. did lose to um team. but Turkey were on a really good run at the time. I mean that's a, a good side. turkey yeah, they're in good, good form and that's that's actually not a terrible defeat. So it's not the end of the world, but France just don't seem to care too much about like what their build up is going to be to a tournament. Yeah. You know, with this squad, this manager like they're going to mean business, like in the summer. And if you don't make them favourites, you're stupid, to be honest. I th- the, the point
2: about them not really taking the qualifiers too seriously and just turning up uh, later on, I think you could also argue over the years that's sort of applicable to Portugal as well at times. Yeah. They don't really like doing qualifiers. Ronaldo can't be bothered. But Portugal have only got over the line once. Like
1: That's the difference. France have got over the line in my lifetime three times.
2: Yeah, but how many times in the last, like... Like genuine recent history. Like they won, they've won, won the World Cup. Yeah, this is what I mean. But
1: like France have the, this is what I'm saying, France have caliber of doing oh, that pedigree, as in they did in 98,
2: yeah. they did it in
1: 2000, they did it in 2016. Was so long ago. Like, yeah, but, like but this is what I mean. In recent, like Portugal's, first, that was their first win since, you know, what, forever. Yeah. Um, you know, it is one of those. Whereas, you know, yes, they've got over the line now once. Whereas France have the kind of capacity, I think, in my head. Uh, I, don't, I think, like, similar to Italy. Yeah. You know, you know that Italy, actually, if they get there, like 2006, is he weren't that good? Yeah, but but they go over the line. But is this you just being a bit romantic? Maybe, but I, I think there's something in the idea that you. Because you know, 2006 teams, was
2: 13 years ago. Yeah, but
1: some teams know, in like, if you're Italy, you're wearing that Italy shirt. You're like, I've got these. These stars are on the re, on here for a reason. You know, this country wins things. Where, and France have that same, what I'm saying is that France have that same kind of, yeah. you know, it, it's done, it's been done before, they've done it, they don't need to prove anything to anyone and therefore the weight of history is somewhat off their shoulders in a way that I think maybe with someone like England who was going to bring on to next, that weight of history actually bears quite heavily on players when they play in an England shirt. Oh. England are the second favourites for this tournament and you haven't got them in your five which makes it interesting and I'm, I'm interested to see why, is it that defensive?
2: I'm spoke so that? worried about the defence, you know. Ahead of the Nations League, I was pretty sure that we were going to be crowned European champions in twenty twenty. Ahead of the Nations League, and then what I saw at the Nations League and what we've seen since, with the defense, with the with the mistakes, and with the players lacking form and fitness, I am now officially very, very worried because I can't I can't now say like we're going to be fine. Joe Gomez, starter for Liverpool, fantastic player. John Stones, you know Pep Guardiola's football in, embodied in, in in a central defensive role. All these players are all injured or out of form, or fighting, right? Harry Maguire, as you well know, I'm not the massive fan of, and I probably... I I know that Tyrone Mings is not the answer, right? So, like, whatever, whatever options we're cycling through right now... It's not going to work. If we'd have been playing Ben Chilwell and Trent Alexander-Arnold as our fullbacks for the last year, I think I'd probably be a bit more optimistic. But because they've only been allowed to play in the last two weeks, I haven't haven't got that much to go on and that much to say, oh, right, that's concrete proof that this will work. So it's England's defence that worries me massively at this point. And it it doesn't stack up. It just doesn't, as much as it hurts to say. I always
0: think there's a problem when you can't automatically name nine of the starting lineup like knowing that that's the strongest team mm. if I was to name like England's strongest team right now like the the players that are guaranteed to play like be like okay Maguire's is going to play on form Chilwell's definitely going to play Sterling will play Kane will play Pickford Pickford will probably play and then I'm like pfft. Yeah,
1: but even that, Pretty Ben much.
0: Shaw has only played the last two. Yeah, uh, but I'd say games. like now, like it's going to be very hard for him to not pick him. So I, I agree. But I'd say there's he's six, there's this six point. spots there. So there's six yeah. players unsure about whether they're going to be in the team. Absolutely and no idea that, what that midfield looks like. No, no idea, idea even which midfield is going to be picked for the squad. Like there's eight midfielders that could be picked for this squad, and I just yeah, think
1: and Ruben the Ruben is injured. He yeah. could come straight back in and wander back into a midfield.
0: It's berth not it actually good. a positive for Southgate to be picking so many players and. P- Pulling players out for certain games and like they don't know whether they're coming or going. Like putting Joe Gomez on in that game, like when he got booed, like he didn't even need to come on. Like it was stupid. He it should have just pointless. started them
1: both at the weekend, right? That yeah, been, it would have been that
2: was the just easy no way need out. Yeah, and the cool. only the only midfield puzzle uh, piece I think is in place is that Southgate has been very consistent over the last two years. That if Oxley Chamberlain is fit, he plays. Yeah, he was like he's also said post World Cup, if he was fit, he'd have played. I'm okay with that. I'm fine. Ox, fine with that. Ox, is, Ox is great. He's a really good player. It's the only consistent principle he stuck to in midfield. But Everything
0: else is just like, just you're just picking numbers. Okay, one more before we get on to those last four Euro remaining six. Places. You're going to talk about no. Laz, <laughs> home advantage matters.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, home. I was going to say it does, does that is
0: That is point. That is like it's the finals gonna be, and the It's going to be mental. Like England are going to breeze through their group. Like they will win their group because they're going to play the games at Wembley. Then they're gonna have a couple of games elsewhere probably, but I don't think they're gonna f think one of them might be in Dublin. Dublin, yeah, which is which is a recipe for trouble, one would imagine. Possibly. <laughs> but um they're not gonna have much travelling in this tournament, they're gonna to have home advantage, and they're going to, if they do make it to semi final, they're at Wembley. Yeah. Like that is so huge. And like you two, I don't even know if you remember you're ninety six, but it I was, was I was literally like what it was so much fun and like it genuinely like The difference then was we didn't know really, like, we didn't expect too much, I think. Whereas this time around, I think there is going to be quite a lot of expectation. But it's fun. Like, the country's going to go nuts, like, if England are, like, looking good and we're in the semi-final. And I think, honestly, like, usually I would say England aren't going to do well under pressure. And this time around, I think if we were to get to the semi-final said this last year when we were in the World Cup. But um, <laughs> at that stage, I fancied us to beat Croatia, and we didn't. We've, but got, we've got to get there. We've got, got to get there, there
2: and I, I worry. Don't yeah. discount I've got, Croatia, I've got England as a, no. top, a top eight team out of 24, but not a top
1: five. Okay, the other one that I'm really surprised you left out is Spain. Yeah. Um, because I think Spain have the deepest midfield core in the entire world. Yeah, I'm sure. I, I think if you look at this, like, there's just they could pick about thirty players They're, and they'd I mean, all yeah. be really good. Too Un, many problems. Undeniably though, very
2: good. I got. I'm um, honestly a little bit spooked. Like we we're recording on the Tuesday and about an hour before we started recording, Luis Enrique was was confirmed as the boss of Spain again after his his leave of absence. Um, murmurs that the federation, the Spanish federation, have also not handled this one very well in the same way the that Spanish they,
1: federation fi- handled nothing well.
2: Yeah, and the last time they handled something really badly. The, the World Cup that was on the that was on the eve of the World Cup I it appreciate that I, I appreciate that space but I'm, l- I'm learning from do you remember when we did our, uh, our top six La Liga predictions and I put Valencia fourth and you said they can't get out of their own way I can't trust them to just put together a, a, a normal season in which they achieve what they're supposed to Yeah, I've been spooked by your, by your, by your statement and I, I worry too much bear in mind we are months away I worry about Spain's ability to implode okay All right, we will move on then. Didn't even mention Germany, guys. We didn't mention Germany
1: because they've not been very good. Uh, Croatia are here, there, and everywhere.
0: They are. They're World Cup finalists, and they're like, they're good. They're okay. They're okay. They'll be fine. They're past
1: it. Look, we have four spots remaining in Euro 2020. Yeah. They're going to be decided through the playoffs. But I want to throw a theoretical at you. What if, like in the Copper America this year, They open the tournament up to four guest teams, and I'm going to suggest the four guest teams, and I want you to tell me how you think they do. How would Brazil, Argentina, the USA, and AFCON champions Algeria get on if this was the final
2: field? Let's start with Brazil, Sam. Oh, semis minimum. Brazil are excellent. Again, like we talk about that that good game that France and Belgium had and how it was quite tight quality-wise. Belgium Brazil was pretty tight. Like yeah, that yeah, was yeah. a very good game of football, which was surprising because when two teams of that quality face each other, usually it doesn't break out into that. But Brazil are on the same sort of caliber and level as Belgium. I would, I would say so. Semifinals is an absolute minimum, and they're in the winnable
0: bracket. Okay, Argentina. Oh, you're not asking Dean as well. I'm going to move the next one to Dean. Mm. Keep these. Rolling. Argentina wouldn't trust them to get out the groups. <laughs> Just I know you're him. not joking either. I don't trust him. No. I don't and trust I mean, him either. But I would go and honestly, quarters. Like, I always would have said he, that they'll get to the quarters or semi-finals. But like last year was a real reality check for me when I actually when I told you about that that game I went to at the yeah, yeah, Cup yeah. and how excited I was about it and what a letdown it was. Um, and even having Messi doesn't seem to work for them. It actually seems to be a problem. I mean, he scored in the last two games and like helped them, but. I honestly, I don't know. They might make it through to the knockouts.
2: They'll get to the knockouts, but I don't think they're a massive contender.
0: Yeah, um, They've got too many issues. They've got loads of issues, despite the fact they shouldn't. When you look at their, their yeah. squad on paper, like they have massive issues. Dean, this one for
1: you again, then. Uh, the US, talking
0: of teams that probably wouldn't make it out of the groups. Hmm. Well, look, they beat Canada 4-1, so things are on an upward turn. <laughs> things looking up. Things are looking up. Um Pulisic not even playing that game. Dest, by the way, was really, really good in that game. And I yeah. think he's definitely made the right choice. By <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> coward. Yeah. Fair Speaking play. Your principles, he's loving it. I'm loving it. We're all loving it. They're not getting out. No, they're not getting out of the They wouldn't get out of
1: the The last one, Algeria.
2: AFCON champions. Yeah, I think they've... Mess- Serious, I reckon, I reckon Algeria will go deep into the Euro. I think they'd mess a fair few European sides up. Yeah, I agree. I think we're talking quarterfinals minimum for Algeria. Absolutely. I think stylistically, they'd be such... Uh, a kind of brain melting moment for so many of the European nations that that actually not only would they get by on the quality, but I think they just proved too difficult to figure out for quite a lot of teams. They are quite the air conundrum. I, ra- I rate them. I really do. I'm- right, we're gonna we're gonna move this on then. Let's get to the final part of the show. We'll be back
1: after the break. Stick with us. Welcome back to BR Football Ranks, where it's time to look at our picks league. When we left you, the score was three all. But it is time for an update. I can confirm that you have managed to outdo yourselves, boys... By getting even worse, <laughs> a measly one point each this week. Although I will admit that there is one game left to play at the time of recording. Both Sam and Dean have Germany to beat Northern Ireland one 0 And by the time this is released, you will know if they have managed to improve at all on so their pitiful the same, scores. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. one one or four four or two two five five. Let's
2: not gloss over the fact that Jack picked a game to predict that is not within the time frame of the next podcast. Yeah, no,
1: that was an error. Yeah.
2: It was an error. It was before the next podcast was released. Least.
1: You're the melon, mate. I am melon of the week. Yeah, that is fair.
2: Not only has my card been declined at
1: Starbucks, (laughs) but, but I've also managed to get that wrong. With this in mind, it is time to introduce a new player to the game. This is in tribute to Andy Tate, Davey the monkey, because on that showing, A monkey in a suit could do a better job. On my phone here, I have a random dice generator. When Davey presses the button, it's going to generate a score from two dice. He is now in the game, and he will start on the same number of points as you two to make this even. So this week's picks start with you, Sam. PSG, Lille. 3-1 to PSG. Uh, Dean? 2-0, PSG. Davey says, Monkey Davey's gone 6 all." (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's bold. Wow. West Ham Tottenham. Sam. Two one to Tottenham. Dean? They're am gonna go one one. Davy says three four. Four three to Spurs. This monkey's a joker, isn't he? Frankfurt Wolfsburg. <laughs> Dean, can start with you here. Two one Wolfsburg. Okay. Two all. And Monkey says five all <laughs> <laughs> Milan Napoli. Dean. Two one Napoli. Sam? One all. Davy the monkey says three one Milan. <laughs> oh, He's ruined it now. Yeah, that's the stupidest prediction of all. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, Sam, Real Madrid, Real Sociedad. 2-1 to Real Madrid. Dean? 4-0 4-0 Real Madrid. Davy says 6-3 to Real Madrid. <laughs>
2: <laughs> by the way, if you are only listening or not watching on YouTube, do have a look on YouTube. Do take a look at Davy. He is a real monkey. He is yeah. in a
1: scarf. It's
2: been a long year for our beloved roulette wheel, so we've sent him off on
1: a nice holiday to the seaside for a well-earned rest. But be sure that he'll be back next week rested and raring
0: to go again. I reckon the melon and the roulette wheel are side by side right now. Yeah, they're just chilling. Yeah, just yeah, having, just, it, having oh, a good time down guess, in Blackpool. It's been a long year.
1: <laughs> However, there is some consistency in this podcast, And that is
2: so a couple of weeks ago, I'm sure you remember we took a a listener request topic from Cam Johns. Well, I've got another one because the people, they are coming through for me. This is top three footballers who would make an excellent president from Gleason underscore 42 on Instagram. Okay. Good question. Uh, So... I don't like the current one, so I'm happy... No, yeah, so I've gone... I assume we're talking American president. Uh, Well, I think we're just talking government figurehead. Okay. Um, Like... Whatever, but we'll just call it a president. And uh, I've gone Premier League. And at number three is Pierre-Emil hoybier of Southampton. And Denmark. When it comes to work, I think hoybier is a very stern and serious dude. But I've noticed that he never actually steps back when things are going badly. So he never shies away from a challenge. He never steps back. He always puts his best foot forward. He's very vocal and he tries to set an example with his attitude. In 2015, he played in a Euro qualifier that moved him to tears, And in his post-match interview, he said... We are real men, we stand united, we have Danish culture in our blood, we fight, we have team spirit, and we have the entire stadium cheering for us. Now, when you hear things like that, there's no wonder so many managers have taken a liking to him. There's no wonder he gets given the armband. He's absolutely a man who I would have represent me in my interest as president. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I can't argue with that A very good leader. At number two is Jorginho of Chelsea. And Italy, I think he is just the right blend of taking responsibility and pointing at shouting at people to do stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so he knows for the most part the buck stops with him, but when required he can delegate quickly and he can instruct authoritatively. I would imagine this is about half the balance for a president, like when to do it yourself and when to delegate. Yeah. And Jorginho clearly knows exactly when to do these things. He nails the balance. Very good. That was, that's a very good answer.
1: Yeah. I,
0: was
2: gonna, I really wanted to argue with these.
0: And I haven't yet found any cause for yeah. having an argument I like with I can see number one over Sam's shoulder, and I don't think you can argue with this one either. Number one, James Milner. Yeah.
2: yeah. Liverpool <laughs> in England. So, too often I feel like politicians are too far detached from real life. Yeah. This is a particular problem in England, where so many of them go to the same private school uh, for huge costs. They live a completely out-of-touch life mm. to your average shit-muncher, a.k.a. us, uh, or... <laughs> For pc visitors your average salary earner or mum of three uh you can't say that about james milner born i'm and sure th- he earns a fair <laughs> whack no but he's i don't think he's out of touch no i think being born and bred born and bred blue collar yorkshire workman like style and attitude to his job has played about just about every position so he knows what everyone's going through yeah yeah you can't say he just oh he only, he only knows what his type is about so He's the type of guy, I think, who would roll up his sleeves and get it done rather than just waste time appointing a committee to discuss an issue to come back to him in a couple of months or, you know, watch as the issue gets worse and avoid it. He would just get it done. You get no hot air with Milner. He would just set about very quietly fixing the country. And by the time you looked up, he's done it. He's back in his chair. Cup of tea. Bit of Tetris on his phone.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, it's very Tetris. good. It's um, I presume you play Tetris. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah,
2: no, I mean it's very
1: very difficult to argue with you there. Yeah, there are there are some some good shouts. Dean, yes. yeah, you got anyone else
0: you'd like to add to the mix? One of the most sensible
2: ones. Genuinely, all three of those people I would prefer as my Prime Minister right now. Yeah, it's not particularly difficult. I mean, <laughs> you could give me half the Premier League.
0: Our Prime Minister was <laughs> having boxing lessons this morning, <laughs> I saw on social media, and just looked like the least scary person you'd ever seen in your life. I'd just yeah. give it Tyrone Mings. Everyone would listen to what Tyrone Mings had to say, everyone listens to his voice. He's got such a nice voice. Yeah, yeah I'd give it Raz.
1: Yeah, Raza Raza has his finger on the pulse. Yeah, Raza or Tyrone Mings for me. Raza also, Raza isn't allowed isn't afraid to stand up for what's right. Yeah, you That's know when, when big boy bullies are pushing him around in the <laughs> exactly. playground, he's there. You
2: know, he's there ready to fight his cause. Joe Gomez represents something. all the other countries. <laughs> <laughs> I think Tyrone Mings is a really really good shout. Yeah, I'd like Tyrone. And again, Mings not out good. of touch because as we know, famously he was uh, he was on the phone selling stuff before he became a footballer. Absolutely, Tyrone rings would be my shout. Right,
1: well thank you very much, Sam, for that, and thank you to whoever sent the question in. That very Gleeson. M. Gleeson. Thank Gleeson. Really, really good question. Uh, We are done for the week. All that's left me to do is say thank you to Dean Jones. Cheers, mate. Congratulations again. Thanks, mate thank you to Sam Tai thank you congratulations again thank you (laughs) (laughs) thank you to Davey the monkey making his first appearance absolute hero Dave nutter he's going to win that and please do remember to give us a vote for best podcast at the FSF Awards the link is all over our social media profiles and it really does mean the world please keep sharing the pod with your friends please keep giving us ratings and reviews on iTunes it all helps immensely my name is
0: Jack Collins thank you for listening Rank Squad forever peace